Let's turn in God's Word to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you've ever been part of a, a church startup, a, a church plant, you may have had the experience that a number of folks have, and that is that you're meeting in a, a temporary facility like a school or a theater, and, and so what you have to do is put everything the church owns in a trailer, which you pull up to the school or the theater, unload, set up, and then after the service, take down and put back in the trailer. Well, there's a church called Kinetic Church in Concord, North Carolina, uh, that was in that situation a few years ago. It was a startup church. Everything they owned uh, was in a trailer. And the worst possible thing happened. Someone stole their trailer one night. Well, that meant almost everything they owned as a church was gone. Their Bibles, their speakers, their communion trays, their nursery stuff. I mean, it was gone. And it was a big problem. A new church, little money, and now all of a sudden... Uh, they've lost a lot of expensive things. So what are they going to do about it? Well, the church leaders met and decided to do something that really surprised the whole community. Instead of pursuing the thief, whoever this person was, to retrieve their trailer with all, with all of their goods, they decided instead to extend forgiveness to this thief. And so someone gave them, free of charge, five billboards. They put up a message there wanting to reach out to uh, the person who stole their trailer. Uh, that kind of uh, generated some buzz in the community and uh, a television station interviewed them. And then the pastor of the church recorded a YouTube video inviting the thief, whoever he or she was, to share a meal with him. No consequences, no judgment, just share a meal with the pastor so that he could share with that person the love and mercy and forgiveness of Christ. Well, the, the story doesn't have a storybook ending. Uh, no meeting, no confession, at least not yet. But I want you to listen to some of the online feedback that was generated in Concord as a result of this church's choice to extend forgiveness. Here's one example. What a beautiful demonstration of God's forgiveness. So inspiring. Another person said, can you imagine how many souls could be saved if we all were that forgiving and loving and accepting of people who hurt us. Uh, amazing. And, and then one of my favorites, I'm not religious, but even I want to go to that church. And, and this is the one that I thought was probably the most important one of all. This person who clearly uh, was not a follower of Christ said, I was amazed when I found this video on YouTube, the video the pastor had recorded. Because when I took the picture of this billboard today, I was going to use it as an example of the hatred of Christianity. He, he misunderstood the, the billboards reaching out to the thief. Boy, he said, did I feel judgmental when I saw this video. I hope you get your stuff back. Your message is beautiful, and I respect your dignity during a difficult time. 
The verse just before the passage that we are reading this morning says this, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, those who in that day were unbelievers. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Well, Kinetic Church in Concord, North Carolina, did that in such a wonderful way. As we continue our study in the book of 1 Peter, one of the things we, we need to understand is that so much about this book is trying to help us see as followers of Christ that we are to live in the world in such a way that the world sees that there is a better way to live. And as we'll see today in this passage, that includes the way we as followers of Christ relate to our governing authorities. Let's take a look. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Would you pray with me? Father, you call us to live in such a beautiful way, and you have given to us your spirit in us who enables us to walk with you and to show to those around us that there really is a, a beautiful way uh, to walk on this earth, a way that reflects health and life and the glory of God. And, and so, Father, as we consider these truths today, we pray that you would strengthen us to do just that. And we ask all of this in our Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. My college roommate called me uh, last week just to, to catch up, and uh, he uh, began to tell me the story of a friend of his who has shingles right now. And if you've ever had shingles, uh, evidently uh, they are very painful. And uh, his buddy, because of that, cannot sleep at night. So one night he decided to take some fairly heavy-duty medicine to see if that would help him sleep. Well, he took the medicine, went to sleep, and sometime in the middle of the night, he began to sleepwalk. And he woke up to the sound of his cell phone exploding in the microwave. Now, evidently, he thought that was a good idea to put it there while he was sleeping. I wonder if uh, you feel right now that you're in a kind of pressure cooker and uh, that at any moment you could explode. I mean, how's your temper? Is it a bit short? How's your fuse? How, how are you doing when you respond to those who might be uh, a bit disagreeable? 
Are you curt or are you kind? And, and, and let me take it a, a step further. How are you doing on social media when people are disagreeing with your positions or with you individually? Seven years ago, uh, when I interviewed with uh, Westminster for this position, a youth intern asked me this question. He said, uh, Mike, if you could have any superpower, what would you like to have? Well, my first thought was, I can't believe he just asked me this question. Uh, but my response was this, I have no clue what superpower I would like. Uh, but I do know this, I do not want to be able to read people's minds. I don't want to know everything that people are thinking. It's kind of painful to see that. But if you fast forward seven years later, now, today, with the prevalence of social media, I feel like I'm reading a lot of people's thoughts. I feel like I know a lot of what's going on in people's minds. And some, of course, is, is wonderful. But some of it is, is really disheartening. And one of the things that's really disheartening uh, to me is, is to see followers of Christ posting things that are not really very honoring uh, to people or to the God who created all of us. And that's especially true, it seems like, in, in, in the political conversations that uh, are taking place. You know, it doesn't seem like there's much interest at all in a, in a kind of nuanced uh, discussion uh, about the issues. Uh, instead, it feels like uh, everyone is just out to, uh, to shut the other side down or to shame the other side. It seems like it's a whole lot more about scoring points than it is about legitimate disagreement, which we, which we have and must have, of course. But here's the point uh, that I want to make. When we dishonor others in our conversations and in our posts on social media, we hurt the cause of Christ. We hurt the, the mission of Christ. And that's a serious matter. So what I want to do uh, today is to talk about that mission, the, the mission that we see specifically here in this part of First Peter. And I want to do that by asking two questions of this text. First, what is the mission of Christ? And second, what makes the mission of Christ possible in our lives? So, first question, what is the mission of Christ? And I want to say it's really fairly straightforward when you condense the first few verses. Let me summarize it this way. Be subject... To the government for the Lord's sake, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, let's break that down. Be subject to the government. In other words, obey. As the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Those that exist have been instituted by God as God's servant for your good. So let me just say this, and I hate to even discuss these kinds of things, but it's important. Pastors who have 
disobeyed executive orders to stop gathering their congregations for worship uh, are not only disobeying the, the governing authorities, uh, they're disobeying the God who established those governing authorities for our good. Uh, this is not an example, a, a legitimate biblical time when we should be exercising civil disobedience. That category does not fit here. And what's more, Christians who have, have chosen to, to ignore the calls for social distancing are disobedient to God as well. Now, why is that so important? Well, the obvious reason, of course, is that people, who, people have, have died who shouldn't have died because we thought we were wiser than the God who established our governing authorities. But there's another reason that it is so important that you and I, as citizens of God's kingdom, submit to the authorities he has placed in this world and do so in a very honorable way. Peter tells us the reason that we are to be subject to the government. It is for the Lord's sake. It is not just for the government's sake or for your sake. It is for the Lord's sake. In other words, our obedience, our honoring the, the government God has established, whether we like the government or dislike the government, whether we uh, agree with their positions or disagree, our submission in an honorable way to the governing authorities God has established for this season is for his kingdom purposes. And here is that purpose. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence uh, the ignorance of foolish people. Now if we would go back to Peter's day uh, you would know that Christians were being falsely accused of all kinds of things. And the same is true for us today. And we need to understand this. We need to, uh, to come to terms with the fact uh, that in this country, uh, we as followers of Christ are more and more seen as marginalized. And what's worse, we are more and more seen as people who are unloving. And here's the reason. You know, we, we do believe in certain truths that we hold to about things like marriage, about things like life. And because of that, because we, we stand for things that, uh, that many people do not stand for, we are seen as the kind of judgmental, uncaring, unloving people. And so when we disobey the executive orders of the government that God has established and more people get sick and more people die, then uh, the world looks on. And quite frankly, they have the right to say, well, see, they're not very caring. They're not very loving. And it really, really hurts the mission of Christ. But on the flip side, and this is the, the, the good side. On the flip side, when a believer responds in a way that differs from what uh, uh, people are used to seeing, different even sometimes from other Christians, uh, the world will 
take notice. I, I love the way one person puts it. it. It sends a message that can't be preached in a Sunday sermon. And we certainly saw that in the church in Concord who responded with forgiveness to the person who stole their trailer with almost everything they owned as a, as a church. So what is the mission of Christ? Well, in this passage, the mission of Christ is obedience to our governing authorities so that, so that those who don't think well of us might change their mind. And that brings us to the second question. What makes the mission of Christ possible? In other words, what makes the mission of Christ doable in our lives? Well, there's one word, honor. In verse 17, we're told to honor everyone, including the emperor. We're to show respect and honor to everyone because everyone is God's creature to whom honor and respect are due. In Genesis 1, you you hear us talk about this a lot because it it is so fundamental to our understanding of of who we are. But in Genesis 1, uh, we read that God created us, every single one of us, in His image. You and I were created in the image of God. So think about it this way. In in many different ways, in, in various ways, we are a copy of our Maker. You, in so many ways, are a copy of our God. And God doesn't take that lightly. It's a very, very serious matter to Him. And and you see that in places like Genesis 9 when when God is renewing His covenant with Noah and, and says this, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? Uh, Because, as he goes on to say, God made man in his own image. And so here's the point. Every single human life has inherent value. Because God put that value in each of us when he created us. And so that's why we are to treat everyone with dignity and respect. When we dishonor someone, when we dishonor anyone, we dishonor God. And that's a serious thing. We Presbyterians, as you may know, believe in this doctrine that has been labeled total depravity. But I love uh, what one author says. We are to love a person's dignity more than we despise their depravity. So I want to ask this question again. What makes the mission of Christ possible? Well, it's honor. We are commanded to show honor to everyone because every single person is made in the image of God. But I want to take this a step further uh, because I know we don't automatically honor everyone simply because we know that they're made in the image of God, though that should be enough. But I want to take this a step further. I don't know that you and I will do a good job of honoring other people until we really embrace the truth 
that God has honored us. I think as long as we don't really embrace God's honoring of us, we'll be looking for that honor in all of our our actions, our relationships, and all of our conversations with other people. I remember sitting in a car about 25 years ago. I was uh, an assistant pastor. It was the first church that I served. Uh, I was a real newbie. And uh, there was a pastor there, a man that I just love. He still checks on me. And he was my mentor. He's the one that really kind of walked me through so much of what it meant to be a, a pastor. And I remember sitting in the car one day. I think we'd had lunch together, and we just sat and were talking. And he said something to me that uh, I've never gotten over. And uh, I will tell you, uh, really, um, when he said it, uh, the tears just began to stream down my face. Here's what he said to me. Mike, do you have any idea how much God respects you? And my immediate thought even though I wanted to hear that, I wanted to believe that. My immediate thought well, was, well, I, I know God loves me, even though I don't deserve his love. I know he does, but respect me. How can God possibly respect me? Well, I'm made in the image of God. He put his value in me like he's put his value in you and in everyone. And when we take that in and really believe it, when we begin to live in light of that glorious truth, it begins to free us up from the slavery of looking for that honor everywhere else and from everyone else. Christine Kane wrote a a book about her own life and some of the things she's been learning in a relationship to God. And, and, and she talks really openly about her own struggles as an adopted child. Her parents gave her up before they even named her, which really said to her that she meant nothing to them. When she came to know Christ, though, she began to learn bit by bit how much she means to God. And so she began to stop trying to find that honor from everyone else and started to receive it and embrace it in, in Christ and from her God who created her. And so instead of listening so much to what other people said about her, she started listening to what God said about her. And, and, and she put that biblical truth, what God thinks about us in a very personal way for her own sake. This is her thinking and kind of uh, relating to herself, God speaking to her about her situation. This is what she wrote. I formed you. Your freedom will be determined by whether you allow what I think and say about you to matter more than what anyone else thinks or says, including your biological mother 
or workers filling out forms for the Department of Community Services. They have said what you are not. But I say what you are. And you are created in my image, not theirs. You reflect my glory. Westminster, I wish I could see your faces as I say this to you. You reflect God's glory. That's who you are. I want you to live in light of that. And I believe that increasingly you will be free to respect and to honor the glory of God that you find in others. Everyone you know reflects in some way the glory of God, even the the person that you disagree with the most. And that's why in every conversation with someone or about someone, in every social media post in response to someone, uh, you and I are to show honor. There may be a a lot that's wrong with the other person's positions. Uh, There may be even more wrong with the other person's chosen way of life. But we are to love a person's dignity more than we despise their depravity. Why did Christ come to earth? It was for our depravity. It is our depravity that drew the heart of our Savior to earth. And he did not come to shut us down or to shame us, but to save us. He had every right as you know, to judge us. But he didn't come to bring judgment. Instead, he came to bear that judgment for us. He could have taken sword in hand. Instead, he stretched out his hands to receive the nails that pierced his body. He could have lifted a spear, but instead he took the thrust of that spear in his side. Can we say that Jesus loved our dignity more than he despised our depravity? I think so. May we do the same with everyone. Because everyone is full of value. God put it there when he made us all in his image. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, help us, help us to believe that you do respect us, that you do honor us. Help us to live in light of what you say about us, what you think about us. Help us to live in light of the truth that we are a copy of our maker and that we reflect your glory. And then, oh, Father, may we extend that respect and honor to every single person we meet. 
We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.